When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, yo. Caravan Central Wisdom Hour, number 29. I'm Steve Witchell in New Orleans. Yeah, this is Tony B. in New Jersey. Yes, 29. Wow, forever 29. Right. I almost got this. It, while I'm playing the theme, I'm trying to post it on the page and edit the uh, the text that it says, and I almost got it done during the theme, and then I was like, ah, damn it, I didn't make it. But... It is live on the page now. I'm going to share it to the group as well. Da, da, da. Cover Band Central group. And that can be your goal for next week for episode number <laughs> It's tough because the refresh, when I hit refresh, it takes a few seconds, as computers do. And sometimes it takes more than a few seconds. But here we go. We're shared in the group on the page. I got it done. Can't you just delegate it to the uh, music person and have them run the separate computer? No, I, I'm the music person. Just delegate that. I, I, I have nobody to delegate to. The only thing I delegated was I gave my dog a treat and delegated that he get out of the room so he's not bothering me during the podcast. <laughs> Tactical. Ah, yes. Displacement of the dog. All right. So what's, I, we, we missed last week because of... Um, why did we miss? What was it? I said you overslept. No. We had a scheduling thing, I think. I think it was a scheduling problem. I'm adjusting the volume. It wasn't loud enough there. That should be better. Um, Yes, that was it. I played Tuesday night, and you couldn't do Monday night, and then I played on Tuesday night. So last night, last week, I played five five nights. Five nights? Yes, five nights, because I played on... Saturday too, as well. In um, I played in Mobile. I played. I I I've talked about this before. I played a couple gigs uh, already in Mississippi with these guys. Um, that could be a saying down there and say, you know, I play so much, I forgot how much I play. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it's one day goes into the other. But uh, I played a gig with these guys. So this is the third time I played with them and this is a different the first two were the same venue this is a different venue it was in Mobile Alabama which was a two hour drive for me and small bar a smoky bar and I walked in and I'm like I'm smelling cigarette smoke I'm like wow like I haven't played in a smoky bar in a long time because in Alabama and that was my phone making noise did you hear that I definitely heard it live tonight on Wisdom Hour um 
but yeah, we were playing a smoky bar, and uh, we had this big PA in there, and five-piece band, and uh, very loud. We were very loud, but it was cool, man. It was a lot of people there. Somebody had a birthday party going on, and we we play rock um, in that band. We were that's a rock band, popular rock tunes, but rock nonetheless. Uh, Alex says evening, gentlemen. So Alec is listening to us live. What's up, brother? What's happening, Alec? Um. So yeah. So I have a cool story for you that that will not be new to some people in Caravan Central, but people that aren't in the group or not or haven't seen my posts or are not friends with me personally on Facebook, and you do not know this story. So I'm going to tell this story, and it is fascinating. Please do. Last week, I was playing at the Swamp on Thursday night, as I do every week. And the Swamp, you've been there, and for those of you who are not familiar with it, this it is on Bourbon Street, New Orleans. And inside the club, the stage faces the street. So we're, we're recessed from the street, but we are facing towards the street. And so we can see people walking by on Bourbon Street, and there are two wide-open windows, wide open, so people can stick their heads through, whatever, or people just stand out there and watch us and listen to us sometimes from the street, and then sometimes they'll come in, but sometimes they'll just stand there and watch. So that's something that we, we can see from our vantage point on stage all night, every night. So this week... Um, this past weekend and the prior weekend was Jazz Fest. And Jazz Fest in uh, New Orleans is a seven-day music and arts festival that happens every year around the same time. And it has grown into a very big deal where uh, um, headline acts, large, you know, top, top uh, echelon acts come and play. And then m many other bands that aren't as well, as well known and then some local bands and it's a big to do it's at this uh, racetrack and there's a lot of food there's art there's you know vending stuff um, all sorts of stuff to do and um, the the main um, band this week this year was Aerosmith that was the big headline act so Thursday, so I, I was aware of this, but I wasn't. I, I and I did end up going to to uh, Jazz Fest on Saturday, um, and I got a free ticket, which was really cool. And I did see Aerosmith, but I so I was aware that Aerosmith was, was playing, but I wasn't even sure what day they were playing. I I, I didn't uh, actually plan on going. Uh, you know, I was aware of some of the acts that were playing, but I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a big plan for me. Ray Barnett is listening to us. He said, finally caught you guys live. What's up, Ray? Um, so Thursday, we're playing at Swamp. And we're, you know, middle of the night. We've, we've been playing for a while. And this guy is, stops at the window, and he's watching us play. And, and I'm looking. And, and it's about, from my point of view, from the stage to that window, I would say it's about 20 yards, maybe 25 yards away. So I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like, man, that guy looks like Steven Tyler. And he's just kind of like dancing a little bit and clapping along with what we're doing. And we were playing Jump by Van Halen. And I, I, and I kept kind of looking back at him, and I'm like, 
you know, because there's a lot of people in New Orleans that will sort of dress up in character or, you know, year round or, or try to look like somebody. It's very uh, commonplace there. So then Tracy, my singer, looks at me. She goes, that, she, and she's laughing. She goes, look, there's Steven Tyler. And she's just laughing. And I said, that's not Steven Tyler. Um, and then she said, yeah, I know, but it, you know, it really looks like him. So we're, we're just, you know, we're playing through the whole song. The whole time this guy's out there, you know, he's standing around like maybe one or two other people. And, and he's, you know, clapping and, and just definitely sort of engaging with what we're doing, but not coming in. He was just watching us from outside. And then I, I think we started playing another song. And he was still there. And then Tracy sort of beckoned for him to come inside and he, and he shook his head no, and then he waved, and, and he blew kisses, and then he walked away. And I didn't think anything of it after that. So I get home after the gig, and I'm on Facebook, and I see a post from this girl, Carla, who works at a, a club called Famous Door, which is a block down the street. And she pictures and videos. She's like, holy shit, I just jammed on stage with Steven Tyler. And I see the pictures, and it's like the same shirt that guy was wearing, the same everything. I'm like... You've got to be kidding me. That was Steven Tyler standing out there watching us play. And wow. Awesome story. Yeah. And, and um, so they took video. So they, what happened, I don't know what exactly the details of it, but there were uh, some accounts of it that, um, that he was walking by and the band was playing Walk This Way. And, and somebody in the band went out and grabbed him and, and he got up on stage. But there's video of it. They did Walk This Way and he was singing with my friends down the street who play in this band um and you know people were going crazy everybody's taking videos and then it that next day it ended up on tmz there's the article like steven tyler gets up with locals and plays walk this way and uh so yeah <laughs> that's cool yeah so steven tyler actually got to watch me play bass not that he knows who i am or not that he's ever gonna care or remember but i know that Steven Tyler watched me play bass on Thursday night. Wow. Yeah. And then so I I, uh, I reciprocated and went to Jazz Fest and watched him sing. <laughs> Dude, I was mowing my lawn, and this guy came down the street, and he was shooting fire, like breathing fire out of like, uh, like theatrics, you know? And his big, long tongue and stuff, and it was fucking Gene, <laughs> Gene Simmons, dude. He pulled up. He really? Him. That's awesome. And Alec just said he's fortunate enough to call Steven Tyler a friend, Hometown Brothers. He, and, wow. And Steven Tyler watched Alec play Lord of the Thighs once. That's pretty awesome, man. He's a friend, huh? Small world, see that? Wow, that's really cool. I did not know that. That's so awesome. So, yeah, that was a big, uh, big deal. That's very exciting, yeah. That was a big deal. You know, and it's, it just goes to show you, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> at any given time in, in New Orleans like you know people like I, I couldn't you know I'm, I kept looking back at that guy when I was playing and I'm like there's no way that's actually Steven Tyler because he would have like a mob of people around him and he didn't he was just standing there for, with like one or two people and just so nobody you know people just walk, walk by and they don't even notice um that yeah um uh, Chunk is here he says hello what's up Chunk um, so yeah, I mean, and again, like people took video and we talked about this recently too. People took video and it's, then it's all of a sudden on TMZ. So 
whatever you decided to wear that night on stage, I hope it made you look good because... <laughs> yeah, because you're on TV. Now you're on TV. Well, it was the TMZ website, but maybe on their channel too. Who knows? Um, but yeah, that's, that's another good reason to consider what you're going to wear. And also another good reason to consider songs to know. Like, I mean, good thing the band knew Walk This Way. Because then they got that opportunity. Not that, yeah. that, not that that kind of thing happens very often in life, but you never know. But that night we did um, Sweet Emotion and Dream On, and we didn't do Walk This Way. And it's, it's a shame that he wasn't, didn't have to be walking by when, when we were doing one of those two songs, because then we might have gotten him in, in and, uh, up on stage and sing with us. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. Yeah, well, we weren't given the memo. Well, then they—that's you know, no excuse. Yeah, it wasn't in the cards for us. But that's cool, you know. I mean, you would think like he's just out and about, and you know, maybe people will recognize him. A lot of people probably did, but some people may think that's not really not him. Like you're like, that's not him, you know? Right. So another thing I was thinking too, when I did this gig Saturday night or uh, Friday night. I got there and everything was already set up and they, they had already kind of checked on stuff. And then I'm, I'm doing my sound check with bass and my, and my mic and we were having some issues and they, they have the, uh, it's all digital and the keyboard player has the app on his phone and he was doing the monitors on his app and we were having all sorts of problems. Like Things feeding back, and then things cutting out, and then something's too loud, and then it's not loud enough. And this went on for a while, and and the keyboard player got frustrated, and at one point, and kind of threw his phone down. And he's like, "I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, know. I don't want to do this." Uh, but then he came back and did it, and we we worked it out, and it ended up fine. Um, so I'm watching Aerosmith on Saturday, and really paying attention to everything like i love going to live shows especially being there early and watching watching the setup watching the sound check watching everything that's going on on stage i really suck soak all that up because um, it's interesting to me and once this show starts i mean it's a big area but they have the huge video screen so you can kind of see other things that are going on and it appeared when they started that there were they were having some sort of sound issues. And because I, I was watching really intently uh, on, on Steven Tyler specifically, like his his uh, gestures to to people off stage and stuff. And one of the things he did, the, the, he goes, you know, he gets together with Joe Perry a lot, you know, right next to him and, and he's singing and, and stuff. And the first song, um, they did a, a, a Really, Steve? can't remember the first song um toys in the attic and they have these big fans that are blowing towards them and he him and joe perry are right in front of this fan and it was just blowing the hell out of the hair they're i mean it was like like a hurricane and after he got done with a phrase singing whatever he was singing steven tyler yells in the mic turn that fucking fan down <laughs> <laughs> And then, and um, it, he looked like a little bit irritated to me uh, in the beginning. And then they go to start the second song, 
and Joe Ferry starts to play, and then all the sound just completely cut out. Now, they have, on, on the stage, they had, a, like, Tom Hamilton, the bass player, he had eight, I think it was eight, six or eight Gallen-Kruger cabinets on stage, and then three separate Gallen-Kruger amps. And on Joe Perry's side, he had all these Marshall cabinets and stuff. So the sound, at one point, the sound completely just cuts out. And Joe Perry is still playing. I can see him playing, but there was no sound. There was nothing coming from the stage. So I mean, I know this is pretty commonplace for uh, for large acts, too, to just have the the cabs up there, but they're empty cabs. Um, and, so, and I know they were all using in-ears. So something happened and it it cut out for you know like three or four seconds maybe five seconds at the most and it came back on and cut out real quick again and then came back on and then stayed on um but uh so the, the point of this is that no matter what level you're at whether you're playing in a smoky bar or you're playing an aerosmith you're going to have sound issues and <laughs> it's all about how you deal with it that makes the difference that was my yeah, exists at every level you yeah know? There's a lot of things that are common that we all deal with, uh, regardless of what level you're at. And uh, it all kind of boils down to how you handle it and how you deal with it. And, uh, yeah. So, um, and you know, and I noticed it too, like the cabinets, Tom Hamilton's cabinets, the, 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 or the, uh, the amps, the GK amps, there were... There was nothing plugged into them. I'm just looking at them. And this, even before they started. Placeholders. Yeah, they're just like for show. Because they can't just have nothing back there, I guess. Like uh, Rush uses the, the washing machines. Yeah, and I can remember Van Halen having a wall of speakers, you know? Yeah, but back then, there weren't... And, that they were plugged in because, see, I remember seeing him at Jones Beach and Sammy Hagar running across the stage and running in front of those speakers. And he was yelling, like, screaming something. might have been the beginning of, like, uh... Um... I forget what song. But anyway, when he went out in front and he was screaming through the mic, when it, right, like you said, in the middle of the song, he finished the line. He's like, fuck, that's loud. Wow. Really fucking loud. <laughs> uh, sorry. I was just... You know, that was maybe in ears, maybe not. That was, you know, 90s, so who knows? I don't, I don't know. What, when did in ears really come into regular practice? I don't, I don't know if they were in the 90s. Because the the technology has uh, advanced considerably since then. I don't well, know I was trying to buy them in the late '80s, early '90s, and there was only like one company that made them, and they were really expensive. Right, right. You know, and then all of a sudden you, you can get them everywhere. Right. Um, Alex said Tom is one of his favorite bass players, and he asked me what is my favorite Tom Hamilton bass line. Um, I don't know, uh, but. What's interesting, too, is they did Sweet Emotion, and I was watching, you know, they had a nice close-up of Tom Hamilton's fingers when they in the beginning of Sweet Emotion, and I'm like, good, I really want to see exactly how he does this with his fingers and everything, and, yeah. and I'm watching it, and I'm like, I do it the exact same way, and he was, um, he was actually, it almost seemed like he was having a little trouble with it, like, I, I mean, this is going to sound really arrogant, but I was watching him play it, and I was thinking to myself, man, I play that better than he does. <laughs> like, I, I play it smoother than he does. He was like, I don't know. 
that's I mean it's his baseline so I, I have no right to to do that but, but he's just tired of playing it maybe you know maybe I mean he just um, you know he t- he's not like well, maybe his hand hurt that night maybe his cat ran away and he was distracted <laughs> he's a great bass player that, um, I was trying to think there's a song now that I'm trying to think of that has a super cool bass line um and I can't think of it right now. Oh, Alex said he's not in the best health. He's battling throat cancer. Really? I did not know that. Was he a smoker? Oh, wow. See, so he's struggling. Phil Collins is on tour. Did you see that? Really? No, I did not see that. And the name of the tour is something like I'm Not Dead Yet Tour. The I'm Not Dead Tour. Good. I'm glad he's not dead. Yeah. Um, Good old Phil, baby. Yeah. Yeah, he's, a, you know... I wonder if he does. Gen- I imagine he does Genesis songs too, right? I would think so. I saw him. Uh, I saw him at Giant Stadium back in like '94, and it was it was good. He did you know double drum solo with Chester Thompson, and it was uh, it was cool. Right on. But like you say, he's old now. I think he sits in a chair, pretty much, and does the whole show from sitting down. Really. Yeah. Hmm. I saw it. I, they've just been advertising here for next March that Pink is coming here, and I was like, after what oh, you got to go. Yeah, yeah, after what you told me about it, maybe I should go see that. And they have a Fleetwood Mac coming, and Lindsey Buckingham left. Fleetwood yeah, I know, no Lindsey. So they're they're coming in February. Um, which is, and I don't know the guy that replaced Lindsey, but they the, the commercial for it says his name, and I can't remember his name. But he's playing Fleetwood Mac covers, whoever he is. Yeah, not cover gig, see? Yeah. Different level. Yes. Um, so, oh, and then, yeah, because we missed last week, I went to see Chris Robinson Brotherhood. Or, oh, or no, I'm yeah, sorry. Uh, Chris Robinson, it wasn't Brotherhood. It was the uh, As the Crow Flies, where they did uh, Black Crow songs at the Joy Theater here. It was great. It was, um, they did a lot of, uh, you know, great Black Rose songs that I would want to hear and all the popular ones that everybody would want to hear. But again, everybody on stage is playing Black Rose covers. And the band was tight, solid, great. You know, they, they did a lot of long extended jams. And they had two guitar players, keyboards, and all the, the extended jam songs, everybody got a long solo. Keyboard player got a long solo. Each guitar player got a long solo. And, uh, Chris Robinson's voice just sounds amazing still. He's just ridiculous how good he is. Um, so that was that was a good night. The, the band that opened for them was horrible. Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't know their name. I don't want to slam anybody, but they were just bad. I'm thinking to myself, how does a band this bad get to open for Chris Robinson? I don't it's know. all who you know. That's it. It's about connections. Yep. Having the right management or something. Um, so that's pretty much what's going on with me. What's going on with you? Hello. Yeah, sorry, my audio like mm-hmm. for a second here, but nothing. Oh. Sorry. Um, no, good, 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 busy. Uh 
uh, I just uh, rearranged my whole studio downstairs in my house to make it more efficient and, and uh, tidied up everything and, you know, replaced wires and built a whole other drum set. Uh, so now I got the two monster sets and then I consolidated. I got the keyboard, a xylophone, uh, electronic drum set. So now I have a true music room. So me and the boys were jamming out and the kids were down here playing and uh, it's much, much better. I have to shoot, I take a picture and shoot it over to you. Cool. Yes, do that. Uh, just scrolling through the group. The group right now, by the way, is at, as of right this second, what, what's today's date? May 8th, 2018. It is at 38,872 members. Growing like crazy. Yeah. I wanted to just scroll through the group and see if I can find a post that we could talk about. Uh, like people ask a lot of questions. A lot of great discussions in this group here. Uh, this is a good question. And I'm not going to read through the answers here. I'm just going to take the question and let's riff on this. Um, Lou Bandiera shared his first post. And he said, new to the group and really enjoying it so far. So how do you experienced guys handle making an obvious mistake on stage? How do you handle it, Tony? I don't think... I think the more you play and the longer you've played for, and also being prepared for what you have to play, that the more experienced guys don't make obvious mistakes. You know, there's no train wreck mistakes or real, you know... But, however, we've all been there where there are mistakes made and you just you just keep playing through or, um, you know, in the very worst case scenario, I see it with the band will stop me like, sorry, I was fucked up. We're going to start again. <laughs> just start playing. Start the song from the top. Ooh, that's, ooh, that's a cardinal sin right there. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, and most of the time, though, you just keep on playing through and whatever guy is fucking up the part or not, doing his border or playing correctly um, sometimes it depends on if it's an obvious mistake like a wrong missed note or you missed a cue or you went into the chorus when it's really going back into the verse something like that that's correctable you know you can get back on course again but something where you're playing the wrong part to the section of the song <laughs> like the key <laughs> you know that's oh, a different man. scenario yeah you know that happened to me uh not to me, but while I was playing a few weeks ago with that band from Mississippi, we we two and a half stepped down, and we did a song that started with keyboards. I think it was Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue. And the keyboard player was tuned to 440, to standard tuning, and everybody else is tuned to half step down. So he starts the intro, nobody else is playing, and then, you know, the singer is singing in that key in standard tuning and then we came in and we're <laughs> down. and the way it comes in when the whole band comes in it's just down on the one a big crash and it was just like oh that the half step man it's like <laughs> <laughs> so now the so now, it's hard for the singer to really adjust because it's only a half step you know so it's and you have to and now what are you keying in are, are you keying in on the guitar are you keying in on the keyboard so the keyboard player caught it and then you know when we came in and they changed it but but it was too late you know the singer was just off you know for the entire song 
But I, I, I want to answer what I would say to this question is you, and this is good advice to anybody who's, who's just starting to play, never let anybody out there see that you've made a mistake. And a lot of people will make a face or, you know, or get embarrassed or, or kind of try to be self-effacing. You just don't, don't, don't acknowledge it at all. Just keep going. Um, yeah, unless, like you said, something obvious, like a drummer dropping the stick and, you know what I mean? Right. You can't really mask it, so you just go with it. Yeah, so, I mean, mistakes are always going to happen. You know, I, I doubt there's ever been one night where I've played everything perfect. I'm always going to make mistakes. But you just, you learn from mistakes, and sometimes you come up with cool parts from making a mistake. You're like, oh, okay. Or... You That's just, true, though. That, but that is true. Or you do it again. If you play a riff, you know, and you play something wrong, when that comes back around, you just do it again. And play it's it, like, okay. Yeah. Oh, so, so people will say, oh, that wasn't a mistake. He did that on purpose. But he made it sound shitty twice on purpose. Yeah. All right, that's fun. Let me see if I can find any other good posts here. Uh... All right, that's too long for me to read right now. I'm just scrolling right through the group and see what's what we got here going on. Uh, hmm. That's an interesting question. I, I wouldn't have an answer to this, but uh, the question is, have you, any of you changed lyrics because they aren't socially slash politically correct? Sometimes I'll see. I'll find that, depending on the audience you're playing, um, you you may you know you may eliminate uh, some of the profanity in some songs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on what kind of gig you're playing. Like if there's a lot of kids around, yeah, you don't want. Yeah, to. That's, yep, that's one thing. Or de definitely, uh, you know, depends on the situation. I think, but if the lyrics are that offensive, right? Then you, why do the song? Like I don't think I've ever changed lyrics to any of the songs, other than like I said, maybe replacing a word here or there just for that reason. Right. But definitely not the content. Right. Uh, I'm just reading Alex. Alex did a post. It's a long post here, but he said he broke two cardinal rules. Rules of playing out. Never play the same song twice in one night, which, Alec, we do it all the time here. Um, Still doesn't mean it should be done, though. No, but, the, I mean, we can do it because we have a different audience, basically, for a, a lot of yeah, the night. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, I can't, I can't comprehend what that other question is. Uh, a lot of people talking about in ears on here. Uh, uh oh, event invite that nobody caught is here. Uh. What's the event, Steve? Tell them what they've it's won. It's a Doors tribute band that is advertising on the cover band in the Cover Band Central group, which is a no-no in the Cover Band Central group because you are not reaching your target audience. It is a worldwide group, 
and mostly right. musicians who are not going to come out and see your band. Post me two times. Wow, people have these long... But, uh, no long rants. You got any short stuff? You seen any I'm short I'm, s- I'm scrolling through trying like to find little? something. There's, uh, but the, a lot of these, all right, there's a lot of discussions. Uh, huh. So alcohol isn't allowed on or near the stage when performing in New Hampshire. I didn't know that. No alcohol allowed. Probably Kentucky, too. Kentucky is a is a dry state or a what's the term for it? Yeah, dry state. O- only bourbon allowed in Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky bourbon. Da, 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 da. Uh, That's interesting. No, I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah, these are so so many long questions here that I can't get get uh, can't read it and talk at the same time and really uh, grok what it's saying. Sorry about that. Nicole. Well, this is a good one. I think I, I, I saw this, but I didn't engage with it. But how important do you think moving around on stages? This guy, Robert Pickering, says, I think it's very important. Obviously, part of being entertaining and keeping the energy levels of the room up, even if you can only walk around a little bit, to me, it's easily 50% of what a performance can be. People listen with their eyes, folks. So you definitely want to, if you have the room, not necessarily be moving around on stage, but in your spot. You got to be grooving in, into it and not just standing there like a statue, you know? Yes. You got to look like you're, you're having a good time. Yes. Definitely. And back what we were talking to about censoring the lyrics, Chonk said, they do Forget You by CeeLo, which is F-U, and always ask the audience if they want the clean or dirty version. So there you go. That's the way to do it. They always choose dirty, he says, of course, and they let the audience sing the F-U parts so they're off the hook. There you go. I like that chunk. That's a good workaround. So this way, you're not cussing on stage. It's it's the dirty uh, potty mouths out in the audience. That's right. Blasphemous. Tom Tom Mendoza asks, "What style of music does your band refuse to cover?" Style of music refuse to cover. Um, it's not really refuse. I think it's got to fit the genre of what it is that your your band is about, right? Yeah, I think so. It's got to fit with the venue and your... Yeah, Except and the other tunes that are in, you know... Yeah. It's not like... Ride. Yeah. I mean, some people have personal tastes. I guess they don't... Like, I won't ever play country music. But, you know, if if you need to do it in your band, then do that. you got to play it. Uh... It's not only that, you know, it's that if you want to be current and you're going to do top 40 stuff, you have to have an eclectic mix, you know, of what people want to hear. So it depends on your audience, you know, that really dictates what the set list is going to be comprised of. This is true. 
Um, Gus Moratinos said, In my 40-plus years of playing in bands, it has always been a fact that the lead singer is responsible for the PA, whether owning it or, at the very least, helping set up and tear down. Also, any expenses it may incur, including payment for a roadie if you don't want to hassle with loading, etc. Do you agree, or do you look at it as a collective responsibility? That is an excellent question. What do you think? When we used to tour with Eye of the Storm, we would collectively break down all the gear, load it into the truck. You know what I mean? Go to the gig, and then after the gig, the next day, whatever may, may be it, all come back and then unload all the gear and set it all back up again. Every week. We used to rehearse, you know? Right. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then play out Friday, Saturday. So, yeah, I mean, there's no, the singer. But, you know, funny story. When I was younger, we, you know, we played in the band, and we were auditioning singers. And a guy showed up at my house, this guy Pete, and he had with him a full-blown trainer PA. He had, you know, cabinets, wedges, a mixing board, microphone, stands, all, all kinds of gear, power amps. He came, we started playing, and it was it was very interesting, right? And so we said, hey, you know, um, it was a great story. The guy came in, he's like, you know, professional singer. Like We're like, holy shit, this guy's his own PA. You know, he rolls up to the house. He's got a van. Uh, he's a little older than we are. Uh, and he, he, bring, he brought his own PA with him. So he get ready to play. And we're like, okay, you ready? We're, you know, we'll just make some up. We'll just jam. So we're jamming, and his lyrics were like... Uh, I mean, he was, and he sang it just like this. And I can't even do it that loud because I wake, you know, it's, it's getting late in my house. But he was, he, his claim to fame was, he said, "She came from right out of the sky. She caught my eye. I thought I could fly. Goodbye." <laughs> okay. <laughs> so after a couple of rounds of that, we're like, "Hey, Pete, you know, uh, I really don't think that." You're a good fit for us, and you know, just objectively, you should probably think about getting some some lessons if you want to, you know, continue down the path of being a lead singer. And he he paused for a second. He looked at me and he's like, "Yeah, you guys are like the third or fourth band that has told me that." So, I think I'm just gonna not do it anymore. You want to buy my PA? And I think I bought the whole. Gave for like two hundred dollars, and I borrowed it from my parents because I was like, "You don't understand. This is like two thousand dollars worth of equipment. This guy has in my house. He's gonna take two hundred dollars for it because he doesn't want to put it back in the van. Then he's just bailing, you know." Right. And then all of a sudden, it was like that night at band practice that when they came to my parents' house and had everything set up, I had a full blown PA, and and we and the band was like, "This fucking rocks." Cause I had like mic'd up my drums and put them through it. We had vocals going through it, keyboards going through it. And then my mother used to flip out. It would be like 11 o'clock at night, and it would be deafening, deafening, <laughs> loud band practice that we tolerated for years when we were younger, you know? And she used to wail on the floor. Like, once you know, you sort of bang on the floor. I'm like, all right, guys, that's it. I'm going to pack it in. Creative flow, man. We're in the middle of writing this song. We can't stop now. I'm like, dude, that's it. My mother's going to come down with a fucking shotgun in a second and clear out. Let's go. <laughs> That's funny. 
Yeah, you know, yeah, in, in, in my experience too, it's a lot of times it's been the singer that owns the PA, and I I had an experience in a band where we we all three of the four of us chipped in to buy a PA, and then but the singer kept it at his house, and then then the band broke up, and the singer still had the PA, and then we're shit out of luck with me and the guitar player the money we put in. So you know. It's it's that's something a case by case basis that you have to deal with. So check this out. This is pretty neat. And uh, here we go. Let's just close that loop. But like Weisenheimers, we own, collectively own the PA. You right. Know what I mean, like if you leave the band, you know, you leave the band. But the PA once it's bought, you know, it's bought with gig money, and then that becomes you know, the entire band. Right. Same thing if you got to upgrade or buy stuff, you know. But Put a you, money to pot from a bunch of gigs and then just go buy it. But do you have a, a plan in place if, for some reason, the, you guys break up or you start stop playing? We, or sell the, we sell the gear and we split it. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um, okay, so this is interesting. There's a tribute band, a police tribute band called Call the Police, which is comprised of three members. Zhao Barone plays the drums. Rodrigo Santos is the bass player vocalist sting guy and then on guitar is Andy Summers huh. the original guitar player from the police he, the, so the guitar player from the police is playing in a police tribute band are you sure that's accurate yeah there's a picture of it it's a it's a uh, like a, a flyer for huh. for a gig it looks like it's uh, overseas thing because it's in in. Uh, it looks like it's in Spanish here. Um, but yeah, okay, and it, yeah, it even says Andy is pleased to announce the second tour of Call the Police, his very own police tribute band. He's playing with two incredible and legendary Brazilian. See more. See more Brazilian musicians, Rodrigo Santos on bass and this other guy on drums. Please see the dates below. They're playing in Argentina. Brazil. So it's South American tour. So that is wow. crazy to me. <laughs> but I mean, imagine that. Like he is the the guitar player in the police. And now he can't. The police don't tour. So he's just playing in a police troupe. Man. That is in amazing. Brazil. In, yeah. In, well, in South America. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, what is going on in this world? That Steven Tyler is fucking sitting in uh, with bands in New Orleans. What's, going, what's happening here? It's going crazy. This is a really good question that I don't even have an answer to. Uh-oh. How do I convince my capable and talented bandmates to learn new songs? It's so frustrating. Amber Nikki Steele asked that from Louisville, Kentucky. Got to find out why they don't want to learn the songs to start with, right? Yeah, you know, I like think the root of the problem. Well, I think the root of the problem is somebody needs to be in charge. When when you're you have a band, somebody needs to be the band leader. Somebody needs to call the shots. Somebody needs to make this executive decisions. If you don't have that in place, then you're going to have disagreements that are never resolved. You're going to have you're going to stagnate. You're not going to learn new material somebody has to 
be in charge, man. You know, that's, that's cause I, I mean, I have that issue too with me, with, um, with, with bands I play with where it's, you know, nobody's really doing that. And I'll want to play new songs and I can do it by just saying, asking each individual, can you learn this song? Because I would like to do it. And it, most times they will. They will learn the song. But if you start saying, like, I want to do these six new songs, I forget about it. That's not going to happen. You've got to do kind of one song at a time. In my case, anyway. But uh, I don't know. You got an answer for it? Well, like I said, if it's, you know, I agree with your thing with the band leader, but everyone should want to learn new material because you don't want to keep playing the same old songs all the time, right? And if it's somewhere, this is, I don't have the time to learn new songs, that's just, you know, then you need to make the time. You'll always find the time or make the time to do the things you want to do. And if it's important, you know, and people see the value in it, uh, it's always good to, to have newer songs in the repertoire. But to your point, like, yeah, you can't, you know, it's hard to learn 20 songs in a short amount of time. Like, you're going to learn 20 songs in a month. That's a pretty heavy lift, you know, depending on the songs. Right. But if you said, you know, we're going to learn five songs this month, that's you know, much more palatable and you can really spend the time so that it sounds really good, depending on, again, how complex the song is. Right. And who's singing it, what are the background parts, you know, that sort of stuff. I remember I had a friend of mine who plays in a couple of wedding bands and he would get set lists, like whatever new songs were out that week, like be ready to do them at the gig. And because they're pros, they'd show up and, and play them. No rehearsal. Everyone knows the background part. They talk about it on the phone. Maybe spend a couple minutes before the gig talking about it, and then they just go and do it. Right. You know. Oh. With yeah. minimal, no mistakes. You know. Yeah. I mean, a lot of bands have the experience of where this that one person in the band that just doesn't do their homework or or just isn't as motivated. A lot of people experience that. And I guess that's what she was referring to. She said it's frustrating. And I didn't read the Well, that's a courtesy comments. thing, dude. You know, like if I'm going to if I'm going to learn a song and come and be 100% prepared and ready to play it and own it, fucking you better be the same way. Right. You know? Right. Otherwise, let's not waste each other's time. That's how I look at it cuz my time is valuable and and it's not to be wasted twice, you know? Right. <laughs> Somebody asked, I'm sure this is asked before, but how many bands actually play Freebird when people shout it out? <laughs> we used to play the first little bit of it. Jimmy would start tickling, you know, the, the little pianos coming in and like the little drum and we'd go and do some bird noise and people like, yeah! And you go into something else and they're like, fucking suck. <laughs> we do, like if somebody shouts out Freebird in in New Orleans, we say, or what I say is, free word costs a thousand dollars. Oh no! Wait, it's on sale right now for seven hundred and fifty dollars. On sale for the next ten minutes, free bird. Nice. But I, I, I have, I have played it when people have shouted out. I have done that. Uh, I have never. Really? Do you know it? Yeah, I played it in band when I was younger, but I've never played it on a request like at a bar where someone said, do it, do it, let's go. Played at a biker party one time. That was one time you probably, probably couldn't have not done it. Right. See, people don't actually want to hear the song. They just want to say it. 
And I, I, I wonder what the origin of that is. I don't even know. Of people shouting out Freebird. Mm, um, hard to say. Uh, this I did read this question, and this is a, a pretty good one. Uh, Jim O'Keefe says, we are an 80s cover band and have had success for many years. However, recently there have been fewer folks at the shows in general. Even the general crowds at a lot of the venues seem a little smaller. It may just be us and we need to change up, but I wanted to see if ever, anyone else was experiencing this. I've seen several threads in the group about the demise of live music, but I was more interested in whether a genre or decade shift was in order. Um... And I did read some of the comments here. I'm not going to read through all now, but I, I, I think that for us anyway, which is kind of a melting pot of, uh, of the world here in New Orleans, it's a tourist town, 80s music still works, uh, but 90s music over the last year has really picked up in, in popularity because of the generation thing. So the, the 20-somethings in here love hearing the 90s music. So I think it's probably probably a mix of both that that a genre shift is in order but um you know you still need to kind of keep the popular 80s tunes it really depends where you're playing and what your audience is um how about you guys do, do you keep I mean, do you keep a lot of 80s tunes in your set we, we do you know and depending on the demo you know uh where, what party, what kind of client we have, or the age group, especially, you know, um, if it if it's a forty plus crowd, the eighties is going to be, you know, eighties and nineties is going to be all great right. stuff. You know? Right, that's what a lot of people said here too. Uh, you know, younger younger generation, younger music. Um, I don't really see that. You know, I haven't played bars in, in, in quite some time, but it's always, it depends on the night, it depends on the crowd, it depends on just in general, right? I mean, New Orleans is a different animal, but I guess it depends where you are in the country. You know, certain clubs are always hopping, and they always got people in them, and other ones are hit or miss. Sometimes the band brings, you know, a good the draw, sometimes they don't, it depends on the weather, time of year, you know, like Jersey, you know, down the shore, get, gets going crazy, and then... Up north, it thins out, you know, crowd-wise. Right. Because it goes down the beach on the weekend, you know. So you play a Saturday night, it's dead up here. Right. You know, and then weather, too. Depends. You, you play and it's a real shitty, rainy night or if it's snowing, you know. I know we played a gig one time at this place, Kites. It was like blizzard out. And the guy's like, no, the gig's on, the gig's on. There was like two people there. Seriously, <laughs> I played know, kites the whole man. night, and he paid us, and it was like a private show. Yeah, kites was the the plus, uh, up in Vernon, right? Yeah, yeah. You had to take the el uh, was an elevator like a yep like a freight elevator or something to mm -hmm. to go up there. Yeah, know it. That was an interesting gig. It, that was like a it was a big room. It was a bar restaurant slash yep. And uh, I played there a bunch of times. It was connected to the hotel, so you used to get right. If there was a wedding party or something going on there, you had a good time. You had a good night. You know what I mean? It would be packed out. If there wasn't an event going, sometimes it'd be okay. But same thing. It was. It was never super weak, but you know, sometimes it'd be slamming, slamming busy. 
Yeah, yeah, I played there before when it was slamming busy too. I played there once, and and a big bar fight broke out. And I think we were, I think we were playing something aggressive too, like like break stuff by Limp Bizkit or something like that, or like a Godsmack tune. And uh, and it, this big bar fight broke out, and we stopped playing. And I had my camera. That's when I was working at Moto Photo. I was working at a photo lab, and I I had this nice camera. And I would take pictures at the gig, and, and the bar fight broke out, and I started taking pictures of it. And I was, like, really careful to not let anybody see me taking pictures because they were going to smash my camera. Wow. <laughs> Those pictures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't see bar, big bar fights. I mean, it wasn't like people were breaking chairs over people's backs, but it was like a bunch of people were just fisticuffs. I remember we played Ruins Cafe in uh, Lodi, and we were playing the real me, and this guy came running up in front of the stage, and he was like jumping around, and he was putting his fist up in the air, like saying, "Like yeah!" Like screaming, "Come on!" And then he ran over out into the shadows, and he came back, and he had this big, big chair. It was like an armchair, you know what I mean? Like a, like a heavy, heavy chair. Right. And he put over his head, and he smashed it on the ground, and like nothing happened. Like the leg cracked a little bit, and he picked it up again. And he smashed it on the ground, and he broke the legs off it, and he threw it off to the side, he's like, fuck yeah, do that. And he ran back over, and he grabbed another chair. And as he's hoisting it up in the air, this gigantic guy comes out of the shadows, once he sees what's going on, and took this guy down, like like uh, linebacker, like tight end tackle style, blew him to the ground, chair falls, and then same thing, melee breaks out. Oh, boy. You know, crashing into the light uh, light bar, and, and the lights are tipping over, and uh, you know, front line like singer, guitar player, bass player, they're all dragging their their foot pedals and stuff back. You know, like like out of the way, out of harm's way, and it was like a melee. And same thing, we were playing for a little bit, and then we stopped. I remember the the, the manager of the club was like, "Never fucking stop! Don't stop playing." Right. Yeah. I don't know. It was getting, like you said, people were getting all you know out of control. I think at that point you really so like, need to stop, people, right? It was, like, it was like a dozen people, you know. Yeah, I mean, you can't. When that's going on, you need to kind of. You need yeah, to stop, right? Yeah, anyway. Hmm. Uh, Leslie Bennett asked, "I'm curious. Does your band take a collective bow at the end? Why or why not?" <laughs> I've never done that. Maybe I've done that. But it's not a normal thing. Like where you all get up on front of the stage and arm and arm. Bow, throw some sticks out, sign yeah. a couple of you know, things. Yeah, throw some picks out. Throw your sweaty t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. You're not Elvis. Uh, all right. This is something I should probably do every week to go through the group and just find some... Oh, yeah, because we had some good questions. That one about the funniest things that happened to people, you know, uh, at yeah, a gig. Yeah, 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 yeah. Most memorable. I should do that again to ask a, a good question that we can do the answer to. This, in this case, I'm just scrolling through the, the group and trying to find what people are talking about. Uh, a lot of people sharing videos, which yeah. is good. I'm sorry. What'd you say? Sorry. A lot of people are sharing their videos, which I really like to see in the group. All right. Here's a question that we can we can make this last one. 
what's the worst thing that what's the worst that's ever happened I guess thing what's the worst thing that's ever happened during a show hmm the worst thing. What could be the worst thing? I, I would say equipment failure of some sort, like catastrophic, where you don't have a backup piece to it, you know? I remember right. we played a gig one time, and it was, uh, one example was we were all set up, we're sound checking, the guitar player's playing, and he's like, chugga, chugga, bah, and his amp, his amp just goes, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> oh, no. And that's it. Like, it's done. You know, and he's checking his guitar. He's checking his cable. I'm like, dude, you back your amp to smoke and something blew up in the back. He opens up the back. His fuse is burned out. Oof. But guess what? It's a spare fuse, you know, clipped into the cover. Imagine that. Because it's like a new amp, you know? And he never opened the fuse thing before. There's a spare fuse. And he's like, ah, oh, dude, fucking tits. I'm, I'm psyched. You know, I'm hooked. And he puts the, he puts the, he puts the fuse in, turns the thing on. All the lights come on. Everyone's clapping. It's Christmas time. Things like <laughs> smoke comes out the back again. That's it. <laughs> and now it's like, uh oh. And so the guy's going, eh, just stick a piece of tinfoil in there and just jump it out. It'll be fine. Oh, no. No, no, no. Oh, no. Don't do that. You have a big problem. Long story short, he had it was like, you know. This modeling amp, like, it was this special, you know, had all his custom sounds in it and everything. And the guitar, and the band address was like this punk rock band. The guy was like, you can use my amp. And it was just like, dude, it was like a Marshall. No foot pedal, nothing. Just like plug in and go. And it was interesting, you know. And we and we just, we had to get through it and just struggle through it. And, and that was it, you know. Oh, no. We also had keyboard shit out, like, you know, where, where it would just, st it just stopped, you know, and, and started playing wrong notes and, and the keys were, were, like, shifting around, like, some kind of malfunction. Uh, <laughs> you know, at that point, like, you know, the show's continuing without keyboards. Right. Alex said a drummer's kick pedal broke once. Yeah. So I guess they had to play the whole night without a so, kick drum that's yeah oh, so i mean golden rule for drummer is you always bring an extra snare and an extra right, right. Uh, drum pedal yeah you know just keep a, a spare one with you in your car just for that very reason chunk says we had a show first entire town first song entire town's power went out we finished playing acoustic bar loved us we kept people in a dark in a dark yeah. kept people in a dark bar that's great i've had that happen power go out that's always fun. Actually, that happened on Saturday, but we weren't. No, we were playing. The pa what happened was, and I didn't learn this till after we were done. Not Saturday, Friday. I keep thinking it was Saturday. Um, somebody got in a car accident nearby the bar and hit a telephone pole or something. And we were mid-song, and the power, everything in the bar, everything out. And I am, you know, the first thought that I'm thinking is, you know, we did something. We we tripped a circuit or something. Uh, but it came back on within, you know, 15, 20 seconds. And then it didn't go out again until after we were done and we were packing up. And then it went out again for another, at that point, it was like for 10 minutes or 15 minutes and then came back on. Um, that's always fun. Yeah, I'm trying to think of another time I remember, you know, any type, like I said, of equipment failure. I, another time we played and we were playing with Cal and he got all dehydrated. 
And all of a sudden, we're like in the middle of a song, and he's sitting down on like this chair on the stage, and I'm like, "Dude, what's going on? You okay?" And he's like, "No, man, something's wrong. Like, yeah, I got to call the hospital." Like, I'm like, "What?" And we had to stop playing the gig, you know. And Steve drove him to the hospital, or Jimmy drove him to the hospital. Oh man, that's brutal. And he was like severely di- dehydrated. It was like fading, fading out. But there was no way to continue the gig. I had another time at a gig where the bass player got drunk and we're having like a little mini blowout on stage. I'm like, fucking asshole, like, you know, get your shit together. Like, you, you know, you're playing like shit. And also the guy goes, yeah, you know what? I don't need this shit anyway. <laughs> and and uh, uh, unplug, in the middle of the song, unplugs the bass and starts wrapping it up, dude. Wrap it up. Oh, <laughs> Gotta go. Put the bass away and off he went. Oh, and man. Like, anyway, know how to play bass? You know, and one guy, yeah, dude, like my cousin, I think I can go find him. He can come and get him. Go get him. Oh, man. I would come back. I could play bass, and he only knew, like, uh, I don't know, some random song. So we just jammed it. We just played, and it was like a debacle. You know what I mean? The guy was playing just, like, blindly. You know, this song, no. Okay, we're going to do it anyway. Just try to figure it out. Wow. You know what? I've had nights where I felt like doing that. <laughs> just like you know what screw you guys I'm going home but I never did it I'm a professional but those are stories for another time we are wrapping up an hour already yeah wisdom hour number 29 number 29 uh, let's play the theme CodeVentCentral.com join uh, Central group join the group like the page CodeVentCentral on Facebook uh, we'll be back next week hopefully this is the episode Yes. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Make sure you share and all that good stuff. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.